Turn to Mark chapter 15, verse 33. Those of you who joined me for the first, first time in this series, it's the, it's the series called Crosswords. Crosswords. It's about all the words Jesus said on the cross, words that Jesus said, statements he made on the cross. And what do they mean? And we've been examining them. Last week I dealt with Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If you are really tangling with this, if you are really tangling with this unforgiveness, if you want to know if you've not forgiven them, every time it keeps surfacing, this pain keeps hitting you and hitting you, you keep going after it. Listen to that word. Put it on the cross because I'm telling you there are things Satan wants to keep you away from with continued bitterness in your heart. And you'll go through the series. You'll see what I mean. It actually puts you like in a spiritual prison where you can't receive and you can't release. So just remember that. That's why the enemy uses that the most on believers. So go back to that one. Well, today we're going to go to Mark 15, verse 33. And I'm going to break this down over the next few minutes. <clears throat> How many of you believe me? This is a place for miracles. I'm telling you, amen. <clears throat> Jesus is on the cross, and this is what it says. <clears throat> At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And I'm going to talk about why. Uh, any of y'all had some rough seasons and rough times in your life where you asking why? Take a number. Because Jesus asked his own father why. Why? So how many know if Jesus asked why? How many know it's okay for you and me to ask why? And the thing I love is that Jesus doesn't answer like I did to my kids when they always go, why? Because I said so. <laughs> but Jesus asked why. And, and, and for three hours on the planet Earth, it was solid darkness when Jesus died in that moment. And Jesus is asking why, and darkness, that was a sign of judgment had happened. Jesus really carried the sin, the judgment of your sin on his own body is what he did. And Jesus, for the first time, experienced disconnection from the Father, his whole significance, his whole life. That's why he was grieved, because all of that would be gone in that moment as he carried the sins for that moment. And Jesus saying, where are you, God? How many sometimes you wonder, is some, have you ever thought to yourself, is God, are you even present? Am I, am I on your radar? I mean, this is, this is what's happening here. He's, he's not doing his job. He's, if God's supposed to be doing his job, why isn't he doing his job? I did my part, why is he not doing his part? And Jesus is asking the same question that humanity goes through is why, why? Well, I want to tell you something. When you think he's not doing his job, he is right there with you, even in the darkest times, and Jesus was in it. So, so people ask me, well, Pastor, why are there, where are the reason for these dark trials? What, 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 what's going on? I know it's real quick to give a real quick answer, and there's, how many know there's no simple answer, first of all? 
There is no simple answer. And I know there's some well-meaning Christians you know, that try to give this oversimplified answer to a very complex, very complex situations people are in. But I, there are some reasons for it. There are some reasons that we do know that sometimes dark trials come. And I, I'd like to just throw a few of them at you just for a moment that we do need to consider. Why am I going through this? The, the why sometimes. And so can I tell you that sometimes bad things can happen because you have done something wrong. <laughs> it can. I mean, when, when you reject God's perimeters... When you reject God's instruction, how many know it can bring trouble into your life because you and I sin? So let's start at the very beginning. Adam and Eve got an instruction from God, and a lot of the bad things are happening is because love has the power to choose. It's not love until you can choose yes or no. Do you hear that? Love is not love until it has the power to say yes and no. If it's forced, it's not love. If you're a robot, it's not love. You have to have the free will to make a decision. They made a free decision, and the consequence of that decision brought sin into the world, right? So sometimes bad things can happen because you and I are doing something wrong. I mean, look at Numbers chapter 12 when you look at the story. Moses' sister, you remember Moses' sister Miriam? She became very prideful. She became jealous because here her brother is leading all of Israel and now he's, she's jealous of him. She's jealous of his wife. And all of a sudden she starts speaking against him and speaks against his wife. And the next thing you know, God rebukes Miriam and gives her leprosy for a season of time. She had leprosy. Why? Because something bad happened because she rejected God's perimeters. Now, I know some people are going, so is that why something bad has happened to me? Is because I've sinned? Come on, how many know sometimes it has nothing to do with any sin in your life? Let me just say that, okay? Remember when the disciples asked Jesus in John chapter 9? You remember that? They approached the man who was born blind since birth. It's real clear. He didn't eventually get blind because of conditions that might have happened. He was blind since he was born. And you remember asking him, that's Jesus. Okay, Jesus, who sinned? Was it him or his parents? Now think about that for a moment. He was born since birth, and you're going to blame a guy at birth that he did something wrong? Let me tell you why they said that. Because among the Jewish teaching at that time, there was teaching that you could have prenatal sin. It was influenced by the Greeks. That somehow you could do something in that life before that brought that sin. I don't know, what did he do? I mean, kick her too hard in the stomach? I don't know, bad kid, you're rebellious. And somehow, so they had this belief, and it was even taught that there could be a prenatal sin. Think about that for a moment. So that's why they said, did he sin, or did his parents sin? And, and that's what, they, because, and they're also framing it with Exodus chapter 20 and verse 5. That God said, I will visit the sins of the father and the mother on the third and the fourth generation. And so many people used that text, and they used it, and they used it wrongly. That this guy is sick because of this, because he did something wrong, and his parents did something wrong. Exodus 20 verse 5 was not a personal judgment, it was a national judgment. It was because of the nation of Israel, don't disobey. Or and sure enough, you know all the people that destroyed them, the people that put them in exile, it was really carried out. How many are you tracking with me? 
So Jesus knows the context of which these disciples are saying that there's some kind of prenatal sin that happened or the parents did something. Now it's carrying out Exodus 20 verse 5 when it's a national, not a personal judgment. It's a national judgment on the nation. Now look at this, friends. Look at this. Jesus looks at him in John 9, 3 because he knows what's spinning through head and he says, it was not because of his sins and his parents' sins. Jesus answered, he was born blind so that the power of God could be seen in him. Come on, friends, how many of you know it may be sin, but how many know bad things can happen even when you don't sin? Here's another thing. Bad things can happen not because of your sin or you didn't do anything wrong. Bad things can happen because other people are being knuckleheads and doing something wrong. How many have ever, how many have ever got caught in the crossfire of someone else's spirit of dum-dum. Yeah. Talk about the money you lost. Talk about the, yeah. Jonah chapter one, you find it. Come on, he's a prophet. He is a prophet. Here's from God. God tells him, I want you to go and I want you to go preach to the people of Nineveh. I want you to go preach. I want you to tell them judgment's coming and he refuses to go to Nineveh. You remember the story. He not only doesn't go to Nineveh because he hates the people, the Ninevites, and there's a whole lot of history behind that, but he goes the opposite direction. He says, I'm going absolutely the opposite of what God told me to do. Gets on board a ship, pays the fare, heads to Tarshish. You know the story. A storm starts coming. It starts happening. All these guys are heathens on the boat. There's something wrong. There's something going wrong. What's happening? What's happening? All of a sudden, they cast lots, and the lots they cast point at the guys, the one down sleeping down the bottom of this boat while you guys are up getting ready to die, he's sound asleep. They wake him up and say, what's going on? He, they said, who are you and who's your God? Well, I'm a Hebrew and I serve God, but I'm not listening to God. All of a sudden, you know the story. The storm rages on. The guys keep trying to row, think they can outdo God. And pretty soon, God sends even a greater storm and they all know they're going to die. He says, the only answer is you got to toss me overboard. Those guys just about all died because of one man's disobedience. How many know sometimes bad things can happen because you are caught in the crossfire of someone else? You might be married to that person. You might be dating that person. You might be in business with that person. You might be in a small group with that person. How many have ever seen a person disobey God and affect other people's lives? Yikes. There are some reasons for bad decisions, for bad things happening. You know another thing bad things can happen? Bad things can happen because Satan just hates you. Do you all understand Satan hates you the moment you start breathing? He hates you when you're sleeping and he hates you when you wake up. Satan despises you. Why? Because you were created in the image of God Almighty. And every time a human being wakes up, it reminds him of the one that defeated and destroyed him. Isn't that great? You did, you're the devil's worst nightmare and you didn't even know it. Just because you look the way you look. Created in God's image. But you see the story, friends. Bad things happen because Satan's attacking. You remember Job? You remember when Satan came and approached God about Job? He says, have you considered Job? He's sinless. He's integrous. There's no sin in this man. None. He said, have you considered him? He shuns evil. He said, he even runs from evil. Yeah, he said, you pull all that good stuff, you take away his company, you take away his business, you take away his health, you take away his family, you take away all this good stuff, you take away his livestock, he won't serve you. And you, you know the story, Satan attacked Job, destroyed his homes, fire fell, enemies stole and robbed everything from him, 
Firefeld consumed all of his livestock. While he's doing that, a storm comes and his kids all get killed in the storm. And look at this guy. He still stands and will not turn his back on God. Think about that. It happened because Satan can attack a person. He doesn't love you or like you in the least, everybody. Bad things can happen because Satan just flat attacks. Sometimes bad things can happen to you because God's trying to grow you. Look at the Apostle Paul. Sometimes it happens just because God's trying to mature and grow something in you that could never be grown if that pressure wasn't put on you. Think about that for a moment. The Apostle Paul, the greatest Christian that probably ever lived in history. He wrote over 30%, wrote probably 30% of the New Testament given revelation by God. Think about that. Key player in spreading Christianity throughout the world, the Apostle Paul. All this. He even sits there and says, man, I was taken into the third heaven. I've seen things that no human should even be able to speak. I've seen things. God let me see it. I don't know if I was in the body or out of the body. That's up to God. But I know I saw it. I saw the heavenly realm. I saw the presence of God. And then look what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from being proud. It's one thing to identify Satan, but it's also important to note that the devil never is bright enough to use his attack right. He understood God is producing something better. Look at this. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said to me, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Can somebody say amen? Praise the Lord or oh me. You see, God is trying to do something, friends, to you in a powerful way. I've come to the conclusion that God is more interested in your pastor's character than he is your pastor's comfort. I'm more concerned now with my holiness before God than I am my happiness. Holiness cannot happen by me. It only happens through me the closer I get to the one that is the holy one. So whatever Satan tries to send me, I'm going to be like the Apostle Paul. God has worked something. The enemy thinks that he's got something, but he never has. It's only produced a greater glory because his power is perfected in the weakest points of my life. Wow. Sometimes bad things can happen because God's just positioning you. Satan doesn't like promotion. You're being promoted. But how many have ever heard the statement, going to a new level, get ready for a new devil? Isn't that interesting? The devils you have to take on to get where God wants you to be. Isn't that amazing? You've got to fight the Goliaths to get to where you need to be. I mean, just look at Joseph. I mean, one of the lives you ought to study. Everybody ought to study the life of Joseph. Man, what a life. Genesis 37 through 50. Here he is, one of 12 brothers. Of course, being the special one, he has favoritism. His daddy, not the kind of parenting I would recommend, treats him better than the rest of the other 11 and does so by putting a brand new coat on him. Buys him the Lamborghini, gives everybody a broken down neon. Do they even make those anymore? I don't think they make those anymore. See, what am I telling you? 
God starts giving him a dream. He has a dream. He sees his brothers bound before him. His father, it's nations. God's showing, one day I'm going to put you. He's 17 years old. And God says, they're going to bow before you. How many know when you're 17 years old and God shows you your older brother's going to bow before you? How many know you do not handle that revelation well as a 17-year-old? You and I both know he didn't come out humble. Oh, God showed me. Guys, I don't know what it means, but I'm so broken before the Lord. He showed me that people and nations, and I, I think I might have seen you guys bow. No, he didn't say that. He came out, he said, you suckers are going to bow before me. That's what he's 17. He is 17. Cocky, arrogant, got the pretty coat on. Mom and dad set you up to be that way. You know this kid's got a problem, but God says, I can use people like that. I can use them. They're going to go through a breaking process, but I'm going to use it. He has the dream. His father rebukes him. His brothers hate him. His brothers hate him so much they want to murder him. Can I tell you, you got to really tick your siblings off that they want to kill you, literally kill you. Save one brother that talked him out of it. They fake his death sell him as a slave to go the opposite direction. The promised land is this way, but he takes him down to Egypt to be sold as a slave to Potiphar's house. He gets, he gets bought by Potiphar. He's elevated in Potiphar's house, now rules all of Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife thinks that he's a real hottie, all of a sudden goes after him. He runs from her, shuns evil, but she sits and makes up a story, has him thrown into prison while he's sitting in prison. He's thinking, this is my life, constantly, constantly facing demons and problems. But in there, God is working something so powerful. You know the story, the two other prisoners, he interprets their dreams, Pharaoh hears about him. Next thing you know, here's a guy that was sold as a slave is now the VP of Egypt. Second in command to Pharaoh. Now let me tell you something very clearly. Sometimes your trouble is coming because God is wanting to promote you. But too many people run from the trouble so you never ever experience the promotion God intends. Why did God take this kid through it? Sleepless nights, hurt, wounded, missing his father. Can't think of the pain that his brothers caused him. But when he finally comes to an end and God makes him VP of Egypt, God's made him just a little bit more humble. God did it to preserve the lineage of the Jews during a famine. And he looks at his brothers when he finally discloses and he saves that family and his brothers are bound before him and the dream comes to fruition. He looks at him in Genesis 50 verse 20 and he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all. Everybody say all. Everybody say all. He intended everything you did and drug me through for my good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people, including your own. Sometimes bad things happen to you because God is promoting you, positioning you, preparing you. You're a child of the Most High God. He's placing you and he's taking you from glory to glory. Satan hates promotion, so he fights promotion and he sits there and thinks that he's defeated you. But listen closely, if there is no pain of rejection, if there was no pain of abandonment that Joseph felt, if there was no pain of the pit, if there was no pain of the prison, then there will be no palace. There will be no VP of Egypt to save the lineage of the Jews. That means there's no provision. That means there's no people of God because the lineage of Jews would have been gone after that. That means there's no Prince of Peace. That means there's no Jesus Christ. That means there's no cross. That means there's no blood. That means there's no forgiveness. Do you understand what I'm telling you? That means that there is no chosen series. 
Do you understand this? That guy was set up to preserve the lineage of the Jews whereby Jesus Christ could come and be the Lord and Savior and destroy the adversary. So I'm going to tell you, God never lets the devil get away with anything. So next time you think that the pressure that's on you is Satan, quit giving him so much credit for the hell you're going through. I'm telling you, God is setting you up for the next place. Submit to it and surrender to it in the darkest of days. And let me tell you why bad things happen. I may not have it all, but I'm going to tell you why bad things happen. Bad things happen because life happens. We're still dealing with the aftermath of a sin problem. I like something that Rick Warren said. He said, problems don't mean you're a bad person. They mean you're a person. You know what I know about all the trouble and the hell that people face, Brendan and I face? You know what I know? I know that it's temporary. This is a temporal world. It is not forever. It's temporary. That's the reason why I love 1 Peter 1.6 when he's speaking to those believers that are going through the harshest persecution of dark days. And look what he says. In this, in this problem, in this suffering, in this injustice, in this you greatly rejoice. He says, you greatly rejoice. Sam, don't greatly whine. You can ask the questions. You can ask the why. But when it's done, buddy, you greatly rejoice. For though, Lord said, though now for a little while. For a little while. Everybody say, a little while. For a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. But rejoice in it. Because it's not only temporary, but it's purposeful. God never wastes the thing that you ever walk through in your life. Take my word for it. It's purposeful. Because he said in verse 7, he says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is the real deal. Jesus is there. He's with you. It is the real deal. There will be a resurrection. We love the mountaintops. But there's only one place you can build the faith, and it is in the valleys that you walk through. And all I know is that if my Lord Jesus Christ was on the cross and he asked his own father, why have you forsaken me? The worst kind of pain, the rejection and the turning of a parent. That if Jesus Christ can say why, but he also knows there's an ultimate outcome. He knows that there's going to be a resurrection. He knows in three days he'll rise from the dead. Can I tell you something? Just like Jesus went through the dark times, can I tell you, there is a day that you'll realize that you will stand before him eternally in heaven and it is not temporary. It is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. No more pain, no more suffering. It's over, folks. If Jesus had a resurrection, so will I. So, Pastor, what do I do? What do I do? How do I respond in these dark days? How do I do it? As God makes you and me more like Christ, you may have to go through circumstances just like Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, God with skin on, completely divine, in human form, was he exempt even though he was the divine Son of God was he exempt from suffering? No. Was he exempt from loneliness? No. Was he exempt from temptation, all types of temptation? No. Was he exempt from getting discouraged? No. Was he mistreated and misunderstood? 
Yes. Was he maligned? Yes. Did his friends walk away from him? Yes. Was he criticized unjustly? Yes. Will you be exempt from that? No. If Christ, the Son of the living God, was not exempt from it, neither will Sam Reifkogel or you. But he's with us to respond when the dark days happen. I love King David. King David went through a bunch of it, man. A bunch of it. Some of it he got himself into. Some of it because Satan just attacked him. Some of his own poor decisions. But nonetheless, he did not leave. That word came earlier today. You stay in the relationship. Stay in the relationship with him. Watch him do something you can never do on your own. But look at, his, look at what he did. I like David when he wrote, Psalm 23 is one of my favorites. But let me just give you this. What do I do, pastor? What do I respond? Here's the first thing. Refuse to stay discouraged. Refuse to stay discouraged. Doesn't mean you won't go through discouragement, but don't stay there. Don't stay there forever. You gotta walk through, you gotta get counsel, you gotta have people, your small group pray for you, but do not stay there. Get up off the bed of self-pity and do not stay there. I like what Psalm 23 verse 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What did he say? I will. What is the word will? The word will implies that I make a choice and a decision that I refuse to stay in this. I'm going to run back to the relationship with him. I refuse to stay discouraged. I will not fear any evil. Number two, remember that God's with you in the middle of this. David said this. He says, for you are with me. God only promises his power. God promises his presence. Rely on God's protection and his guidance in the middle of it. Stay clean to him. Do not run from him. Get closer to believers like you've never before. Get close to believers. David even said it. He says, here's what I got to do, Lord. Your rod and your staff have to comfort me. That rod and staff was an indispensable tool to David as a shepherd. And when he referred to the rod, he was simply saying, this is the word of God. The rod was the word of God. It symbolized the word of God. And the staff was the Holy Spirit. It's what gave the sheep direction. Here's what God's saying. You stay close to the one that will protect you and guide you. Don't run. Don't run to the voice of other ones who think they're your shepherd. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to tell you what I learned in Israel. You want a lesson from Israel? So we were in Bethlehem. And we were looking, and there were still men out there watching over their sheep just like they did thousands of years ago. Blow your mind. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And they follow me. They won't follow another. What, I dis what they said about sheep is that the voice there was actually the sheep. The, the shepherds do not use their voice like, hey, here, here. It's a whistle they use. They use a whistle. They whistle. And the sheep know their whistle. And their whistle is different than other shepherds. So they distinctly know the sound of the whistle of their shepherd. But he said the problem with sheep as they get older, their hearing goes bad. As they mature, 
as sheep. And as a result, they end up following the wrong shepherds because they're not listening and they can't distinguish his whistle anymore. And they follow anybody that teaches. Sometimes people pick on new converts, but sometimes the new converts are so ready to listen and receive. They're in church. They stay there. Buddy, you don't have to impress them. You don't need another high C from the choir. You don't need a drum roll. You don't need another LED panel. They're just hungry for Jesus. And sometimes in the body of Christ, we feel like we're so familiar with the voice of the shepherd that we need to go hear another shepherd. And we got to get more teaching and more shepherd. I, get, I understand teaching, but I'm telling you, sometimes as we get older, the less you start hearing from God because you're so familiar with him. Some of you aren't even taking notes. I'm not picking on you, but you think you've already heard it all. Just looking around. He said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You keep going back to Jesus the shepherd. You keep going back to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And as you mature, you ought to get more on fire for Jesus. You ought to get more hunger for the word of God. You ought to get more hunger for the presence of God. You ought to get more hungry for worship. You ought to get more hungry for the fellowship to be with God's people. You ought to want it more and more and more and more and more and more to be in his presence. He said, because thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Here's the difference. Followers, listen, followers of, listen, followers of Christ and non-followers go through the same type of trouble in difficult times. There's no difference between you or me, only the distance between us, whether you're an atheist here or I'm a child of God that serves Jesus. We both get the same type of trouble. But here's the difference for the Christian. It's not the absence of the shadows and the darkness and the trouble. The difference is we have a presence of light that helps me navigate through every dark thing that hell could ever throw at me. He lights up my path with his word. He lights it up. The rod and the staff of the Holy Spirit leads me and guides me. We have the same trouble. The difference is the presence of light. And he said, I'll be there. And Jesus cried out, God, why have you forsaken me? And the only reason he did this, folks, you think about that. The darkest day of his life was that you could be redeemed from the darkness of sin and be free. That's it. That's why he did it. Sin had a grip on us, but how many thank God for the freedom and the liberty through Jesus Christ? Why did Jesus go through this? Why did the Father take him there? Because Jesus knew there was another day. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. How many thank God he knew what that morning was going to be? It was his resurrection power and the freedom and liberty of every one of us in this room. That's why I love Colossians 1.13 says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. How many thank God we have been delivered from sin because Jesus endured the dark night. God, you've forsaken me. But here's the freedom on the other side. I don't know what you may be facing. I don't know what you may be going through. 
I don't understand why all the problems come. There are some reasons I gave you, but I don't understand it all. But I do know this one thing. God just can't snap his finger and make it all go away. He can't twitch his nose and say, boom, it's gone and still have me. I just have to believe that if God would allow his son to go through so much suffering in order to have you and me and this world, there has to be something behind what I'm facing that is a greater glory, just like Jesus just found out there was a greater glory and that greater glory was having you. And you may not think it's an answered prayer, but God said, no, you're gonna have to go through the suffering. But how many thank God God's no to that prayer request of Jesus was our yes to eternal life. It was your yes. How many thank God that you got the yes? I don't understand, I don't understand why we go through them, but I know he's with us and I know he's with you. He's with you.